G'day beer lovers and welcome to The Antidote, a series of special episodes of Brews News Live. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum. In this series, we hope to engage with the beer community, to share their insights, to get some ideas and some strategies, and to provide an online gathering place. We are, if you like, your virtual beer garden, and we welcome you all. Today, we raise a virtual glass and possibly a nice pork pie with beer writer and author <laughs> Pete Brown. And I'm joined each day by my Brews News Week co-host and good mate, Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt. G'day, Pete. Uh, I was going to say it's probably a cup of coffee given the time of morning that we've got Pete on the line. We're, well, um... I'm assuming as well as we know Pete, a uh, good friend of the program, and we've done some some of our best work alongside yeah. Pete. It's probably uh, a milk stout or uh, maybe a, co <laughs> a coffee porter <laughs> is my guess. Um I've actually been up for about four hours because the uh, uh, as, as 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 the streets return to nature <laughs> during the lockdown, um, the, we're now as of last night we were we had a coup and we were taken over by the local urban fox population. I was going to ask. So, my partner was over there um, two years ago and she couldn't believe that the building sites adjoining her building were all uh, you know filled with foxes at night. Yeah, well, they rule the streets now, so they, they were out there. Uh, they, they were out there uh, cavorting last night, uh, and I, I've not had any sleep since four a.m. So uh, uh, I'm on the strong coffee at the moment. God, it's it's, well, it's well, like Matt, something. Matt and Pete, just so that I can tick off all the boxes here on my um, OCD script. Uh, Pete Brown, welcome to the antidote. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's nice to be here. Well, we've got to be polite and we've got to, you know, go through a little bit of, um, you know, the new normal, I know, uh, you know, a lot of the rules have gone out the window vis-a-vis -vis wearing pants at work and that sort of thing. But um, I, I figured we can at least offer you the courtesy of uh, in introducing you to our, our listeners. Thank you very much. But it sounds like something out of a Stephen King novel, Pete, you know, with uh, wildlife <laughs> returning to the streets. You don't have deer and you know, roaming freely or anything? Uh, not just yet, but um, I mean, I... I the other thing we've noticed is, and you see this around the world, is air pollution. Um, so uh, I was saying just before we went on air that my, my wife is quite badly asthmatic. So she's been on self-imposed lockdown since the beginning of March. Uh, I was traveling and I was in two weeks quarantine before I could go near her when I, when I came back. So we've both been locked down longer than, than most people have here. Um, but when she's just outside in the garden at the moment, her lungs are better than they've ever been. Um, the, the, you know, thing, things are changing. It's, it's really strange. Well, it's probably a little bit uh, poignant, um, but uh, coincidental that um, when you we're talking about, you know, wildlife and I automatically think of hedgehogs, which automatically for some reason makes me think of the goodies, which of course um, yeah, brings to mind world. that, you know, we lost Timberl Taylor <laughs> yeah, the day before yeah. yesterday. Absolutely. That was a bit of a sad one. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's weird when you see these these names that you know, but I suppose we're all going to have names that we know at some point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the, the hedgehogs are doing well out of this. <laughs> that's Well, that's good. There's, there's the, a silver lining, red thoughts into green thoughts. Now, Pete, we've got some uh, listeners in the chat room who are firing through some questions too. So we might just kick off before we get into what your, you know, what isolation is is like for Pete Brown. Um, tell us a little bit about the scene in general and specifically, I guess, the question that comes to mind um, that's been asked by James Davidson, a listener. Um, what's happened to all the cask ale during the UK lockdown? So is it cellaring yeah. particularly nicely or what's happening? So, so the pubs were put into the pubs were shut down about I think about a week before the general lockdown was introduced. So, you know, the hospitality sector in the UK was was basically snuffed out of existence a, a week before lockdown happened. Uh, now, some pubs got canny about that and uh, started doing uh, a lot of pubs did 
takeaway only. Yeah, put a table across the door uh, and sold their uh, excess cask stock in, in growlers and people coming along uh, with their own containers and selling it that way. I just read this morning of a pub uh, in Ireland that's doing draft Guinness uh, home delivery. Uh, they've got a little draft set up in the back of a van. And they're going to people's doors and delivering pints of, of draft Guinness. So there's a lot of inventiveness <laughs> going on. Uh, there's a lot of bright... I mean, the pub sector here has always been characterised by a lot of creativity and a lot of uh, uh, sort of good business ideas. At the same time, there's a lot of cask beer going going stale and gone in pub cellars. Uh, so it's it, 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 is, it has been a, a bit of an issue. I, th- I think the brewers are, are coping better than the pubs are at the moment. Yeah, Pete, you've written beautifully um, about the, I guess, the the rich English pub tradition. What, looking forward, um, I guess you know, putting the, the the crystal ball on, what happens to that? Does it become more so, or are people, do you think, getting used to the new normal, Guinness on the go, or you know, uh, pub pub deliveries? Um, what do you think will happen on the other side? I think, um, I mean, the first. Part of that is, um, I think a lot of politicians here, wrongly, I believe, are characterising this as being a war. Uh, I don't think it's particularly useful imagery. Uh, the one bit of imagery I would borrow from that is that when the pubs finally open again, it's going to be like VE Day. Um, <laughs> the, the streets are going to be running with beer and puke. They really are. <laughs> because, uh, you know, we're all enjoying drinking at home. Uh, and, you know, the discovery for, for, for old people like me, discovering things like Zoom, uh, there are, I'm, I'm invited to virtual uh, get-togethers every night, and if I accepted them all, I'd be I'd be dead drunk by the weekend. But uh, but there's no substitute for drinking in a pub, and uh, you know we, there's lots of campaigns here. You know, I'm sure you know pubs have been going through a hard time even before this. Uh, every year when pub closure figures came out. Um, I would get interviews, requests for talking about, is this the death of the English pub? And I said, no, no, of course not, of course not. You know, they're always going to survive. They've been around for a thousand years. And then suddenly, one weekend, the pub was taken away from us. We, we just don't have it anymore. And it's left a real hole in the in the cultural life of the country. So I think a lot of pubs aren't going to make it out the other side, uh, to be honest. But I think the ones that do are going to be pretty full uh, for quite a long time. Do you think it's going to make us cherish the pub again you know because it, when you've got something you've got ready access to it you take it for granted but when you're cooped up at home and realizing that having a nice place to go to socialize and have a beer just makes that experience all the better do you think that we'll come out of it wanting the pubs that, that's exactly it I, I totally believe that and you know uh Every 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 question that we ask in discussions like this, you have the possibility of giving a very doom-laden answer and a very optimistic answer and uh, trying to find which one works best. But um, I, I, what, what I've missed, having, having been locked down for five weeks now, what I miss is just physical human contact. Um, you know, the, the two weeks when I wasn't allowed to go within two metres of Liz were agonising, uh, really agonising. And it's great seeing people on the screen but when you see them all you want to do is give them a hug or shake their hand or you know just just sit next to them at at a table and i've always said that pubs are different from other places because you you go to the pub to hang out you go to a coffee shop to get a coffee you go to a restaurant to get a meal you go to the pub just to hang out with your mates 
and and it's that I think it's not necessarily the difference between a, a can of beer at home and a pint of draft. It's the difference between sitting looking at your computer screen and waving at your mates over a video link and being with them around a table. And yeah. Go on, Matt. Sorry, Pat, I was going to say, that's the pubs. How about the breweries? Because over here, we've seen the Australian breweries as, as they found tap points hard to get to. Uh, they've really moved over the last two, three years towards a hospitality model where their tap room is key to their business. Um, but they've yeah. had to shut those, and now they're looking at getting beer into package and ways that they can get beer and food out uh, of the venue. What's the story with the breweries over there? Very similar, and I suppose it, it creates another one of these haves and haves nots uh, situations. If you've got the ability to put your beer into package, I think people are prospering pretty well. Um, we've, we face the danger that beer might eventually get classed as a non-essential delivery item, um, because obviously home delivery services are stretched to their peak. But so far, I mean, th there's a great website here where you type in your postcode and it brings up every brewery within a, a radius of your home. It shows you which ones have uh, mail order, which ones have shops. And you click through to the site and order. And my Twitter feed is full of people that have the same experience as me as ordering beer at 11 in the morning and having it delivered that afternoon to, to your doorstep. Um, some people are going even further and creating a, a pub in a box. So you get a case of beer and you get uh, a pint glass and you get some high quality pub snacks and you get a pub quiz. And then, there's kind of <laughs> and then there's people curating these pub quizzes online and things like that. So a little so patch of a smelly carpet like and a pork pie or what <laughs> yes and a dartboard oh, good ideas yeah you, you could you could paint that <laughs> and and Pete, how, how are you going we, we've we've heard that the wildlife has sprung back um how are you going in isolation because you've had it a little bit longer than most because you uh had the misfortune of traveling yeah so i was i was at uh i was at brx in the uk uh, which is kind of our equivalent of your your brewcon where where we last met up, and um, and that was really weird because that was the week before the shit. That was a week that shit was really getting real. Um, uh, it was when the loo roll disappeared from the shelves of every single shop. I was I was traveling for a long time. I was trying to find hand sanitizer. I must have checked 50 shops in total. Couldn't find any hand sanitizer. And and Beerex was really weird because you had some people. It was like, oh, we're all supposed to do this elbow um, uh, bump now, aren't we? And I, and I watched the evolution of the elbow bump into four different specific uh, <laughs> versions, each with its own undertone. There was an ironic one. There was a sexy flirtatious <laughs> one, all this kind of stuff. Some, some of the old guard in the industry going, I'm not bloody buying this and just making a point of shaking your hand, having been told deliberately not to and things like that. Um, and I got back from there. Uh, on the Friday, uh, because I'd been travelling, and I'd got a very light tickly cough, which I wouldn't have even noticed, um, and I got a real slight bit of tightness in the top of my my chest. Uh, I wouldn't have noticed it if this wasn't around. You've always got kind of a sniffle or something like that. But because of that, we took no chances. I was quarantined in my study for two weeks uh, so that I didn't have the risk of infecting my wife with it because she can't afford to get infected really um and i was with i spent all the thursday of that week with beer writer matt curtis and by monday matt had got full-blown covid19 he went through the whole thing uh so somehow he got it full on and i didn't but that's why we couldn't take any chances so uh, so i've been in lockdown for five weeks the first two of that was in quarantine away from absolutely everybody 
So, Pete, you've been still writing and talk us through the new project that you're working on. Yeah, so uh, I've, I've now got no income. Um, all my work dried up that first week. And uh, and so I thought, well, what am I going to do uh, to make some money? And I've had a, an idea for a book kicking around for a little while. And it's a book that's quite niche and none of my usual publishing contacts are interested in publishing it. Um, so I wrote a timing plan and set myself a, a plan to write and self-publish this book in 13 weeks. So it's launching on the 25th of June uh, globally as an ebook, uh, an audio book, and a print-on-demand book. Um, and the excuse, I'll just grab it. The, the working title is "The Meanings of Craft Beer" with the words "craft beer" crossed out. While the term "craft beer" is completely undefinable, hopelessly misunderstood, and absolutely essential. <laughs> it, it, it sounds like an expansion of your Brucon presentation last yeah, year, picking up yeah. some of those themes. Yeah, it's got a lot of those themes in. And what I've done since then is I've done a lot more reading about um, the concept of craft as it exists outside beer and before beer. So so what the book does is it destroys, the first part, it destroys any definition of craft beer. Um, uh, it, it says that the attempts to come up with a definition of craft beer are futile. It looks at the whole concept we were talking about at, at uh, in the keynote, about independence replacing craft and, and the pros and cons of that. Um, but then in the second part, I look at craft as a broader concept going back a thousand years. And I've been reading books by furniture makers, uh, by linguists, uh, philosophers, uh, all sorts of different concepts. And, I've, and I've, I've developed an understanding of craft as it applies in a much broader sense and, and how that's defined. And that gives you a completely different perspective on craft beer and what craft beer is. And it helps you get to the, I think there's a lot that we love about craft beer that we understand intuitively and emotionally. And then when we try to, when we try to talk in rational terms, we start talking about something else entirely, which is the structure of the industry. And that's not why we love craft beer. We love craft beer because of these broader associations. And then in part three, having destroyed craft beer, I kind of tried to build it up again with this new knowledge uh, about intent and motives and skill and quality and that kind of thing. Well, you've already. The good news is you've already pre-sold one to uh, somebody in our uh, in our chat room, Pete. So, well, plus the ones that we're buying, of course. Uh, of course, Pete, Pete Mitchin. <laughs> well, and listen, we'll also, you know, just to you know, throw your bone. We'll make sure that uh, in the show notes we'll uh, link to uh, the other books that you've you've done. So, because people have got time to read now, so uh, exactly. if you've got a Kindle or a Kobo, maybe they can. Uh, we can we can uh, help them out, point them in in the direction of some Pete Brown titles. Yeah, I think most of them are available uh, in Australia, so yeah, that'd be fantastic. And, now, and Pete, is this one who we were talking off air with Matt and uh, and you? Is this a like a a literal, you know, like the old English style? Uh, can we be a patron of this book? Like, can you can we pre-order it or can we uh, Patreon towards it? What I'm getting to is, can listeners buy a chapter or you know a concept or a storyline or something like that? You know, like choose your own adventure. We're working it out. We're, we're, we're going to have that. We're going to have that. Um, I tell you, we, uh, this has become a great project with my wife working as uh, editor, publisher, producer, uh, and researcher on this. So we've got a timetable for me writing and her doing the production side. And by early May, we hope to have all that side of things sorted out. I'm going to be launching a Patreon or, on or around the 11th of May. Uh, and we're going to be giving details of the different... Um, 
uh, different routes through which people can buy the entire book. We're probably going to do some preview chapters that are available to Patreons uh, a month or so before the book comes out. So uh, this is a steep learning curve for us. I've never done anything like this before. So we're looking at all the possibilities at the moment. But uh, the, the reaction that I had so far on social media when I when I floated the idea uh, was overwhelming. Uh, absolutely um, blew me away. So uh, there's a lot of energy about it. And we're going to make sure that we can uh, get it to as many people as possible. And Pete, the whole concept, I guess, of, you know, the, the poet cloistered in the in his garret, um, you know, is very much like isolation. Do you find it's easier to write when you have an option to get up and, and go and do something else and be distracted or because you, you can't go out, do you find that you're actually more productive? Well, this is the funny thing. Every single book I've ever worked on, I've I've paid good money to create these conditions that we're now, that we're now all under. <laughs> so what I used to do was in, in the in the space of normal life, I would always talk more about writing a book than sitting down to the actual writing. So what I would do would I would I'd, I'd rent a cottage by the coast for a week or ten days, and I would isolate myself, uh, not do anything else other than write. And I'd write a good I'd write about a third of the book in those sessions. So so. Part of the reason I got to doing this project is, well, I, I'm under the conditions that I impose on myself for a writing week. I might as well write a book. So so I'm, if I've got a book to focus on, I'm, I'm good on stuff like this in conditions like this. Yeah, and you can always bring up, as your screensaver, you could always, you know, bring up a coastal scenery sort of thing. So, you know, picture yourself. Well, that's the you only know. thing that's missing, yeah. But that's <laughs> a very good idea. I'm going to do that. I always pay extra for a sea view, so... Uh, I've got my I've got my tablet on my desk as well as my laptop. I'll I'll get the see I'll get a, a webcam. Actually, there's a pub in North Wales, um, uh, the Teacock Inn, uh, that has a webcam uh, pointing out that it's right on the beach. Uh, so I'll go to their webcam and uh, and watch the waves coming in. There we go. Now, presumably, this be this particular book must be much cheaper to write because, as you've alluded to, when you write about a man walks into a pub, for example. You walk into a lot of pubs, buy a lot of beers in order to, you know, craft each chapter. Now, that obviously adds yeah. to the cost. So now, given that you can't go out, it must be either you're going to make a lot more per book or you'll be able to sell it cheaper. Yeah, well, but both of those, I think. Um, I, I'm not selling the book as cheaply as I first set out because people's feedback was they're very kindly prepared to pay more for it than I thought they would. <laughs> um, but, but, yeah, it's a very different kind of book. Um most of my books have got some element of travel, of personal journey, personal experience in it. I, I, I tend to write as I'm going and finding out about this stuff for the first time. Uh, you come along with me for the journey. And so I'm kind of walking slightly in front of you, not as an expert, but finding something out just a few seconds before you do and then relaying it to you. Uh, and, yeah, there's no journey in this one at all. It's, uh, it's me sitting with a pile of dusty tomes. So it, so it works in quite a different way. Uh, I hopefully will make more money out of it, not, not least because when I publish a book through a conventional publisher, my cut of the takings is usually about 10%, um, and I'm getting closer to 80 or 90% doing it this way. Um, so, yeah, everybody benefits apart from the publishers who didn't want the book in the first place. They'll, they'll survive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and Peter, has, how has it been going for you? Because we, we, we've heard from a lot of brewers who, you know, have been trying to make the situation for them less shit, but they're still in trouble. They're talking to their bank managers. They're talking to their landlords. They're talking to, you know, their suppliers and also their debtors to try and make things work. Um, as a freelancer, your income is 
Dipenio is relying on other people. But also Liz, um, because she runs the Stokey Lit Fest, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah. Which I'd imagine isn't going ahead this year. So it's not. So that's due to go ahead on the first weekend of June, and it's not happening this year. So, so this is the thing. We we suddenly found ourselves with zero household income, and there's a scheme by the government here uh, to pay eighty percent of the salaries of people who work for big companies. Um, there's a scheme for sole traders uh, to get uh, benefits. Um, and on the advice of my accountant, like many freelancers, I trade as a small limited company, not as a sole trader. And we're the only section of the economy where there's no help whatsoever. So uh, I, th- I think the latest is where we, we, everyone else is getting 80% of their salary. Uh, we're allowed to apply for a loan if we really need one. So I'm kind of screwed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the thing is, a lot, a lot of businesses in the hospital, a lot of small breweries uh, and a lot of uh, freehold pubs are in the same situation as me. They're, they're, they're small. They're, you know, one or two people, but they're trading as a, as a small company and therefore they're not entitled to anything. And, and so how are you guys managing that? Um, you know, are you having the same conversations that we're hearing the breweries have where you've, you've got to speak to, uh, you know, the, the, yeah. those? I've, 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 uh, the bank have kindly uh, agreed to give me a mortgage holiday for three months. Um, I mean, fortunately, apart from that and a few, you know, energy bills and things like that, our only outgoing is, is food. Um I cleared them up. I tidied up my beer cellar the other day. Uh, I posted that on Instagram. I, I saw a photo of that. You had a lot of admiring <laughs> glances from around the world. Yes. So we, we, we're good. We're good for beer and cider for the next few months. Um, so we're managing just by not spending very much. And uh, yeah, when this book comes out, obviously, uh, roughly around the time the bank's going to be expecting me to pay the mortgage again. So uh, so hopefully that will make ends meet. And do you have a link that we can post in the show notes for people who are interested in uh, getting involved or monitoring the uh, monitoring the progress? Yeah, um, so far I'm. Um, it will eventually have its own standalone web presence, but uh, for the moment I'm just posting a weekly update on my blog, uh, which is petebrown.net. So uh, I'm, I'm due to post uh, an update there today, and uh, if you if you if you look there, then when there's a Patreon or whatever else it is, that's where I'll be uh, launching it from. Cool. Matt, have you got anything else there? Yeah. Um, so, so, Pete, uh, sorry, I, I, I thought you were going to jump in then, Pete. No, um, no, no, I was waiting for you. <laughs> so, what else is happening in the UK uh, beer scene under lockdown, Pete? You know, as, as we've seen the downturn, what are you hearing from brewers about uh, what they're developing uh, are they using the time and planning for for the end of it, or are they just literally hope, trying to survive at the moment? Um, I think I think I think we're going through phases. Uh, I think the first phase was when we saw the, the launch of all these really clever pub in a box type things. Uh, I think people were a bit shell shocked. They they saw initially a huge drop in demand, then thought, shit, we need to rebuild that demand. Um, and I think now they might be starting to look forward. Uh, I've got people doing virtual brewery tours and things like this, uh, sharing plans of what they hope to do. Um, a thing that I was talking to people in South Africa about last week, because the thing in South Africa, they've got it worse than anybody because under lockdown, uh, alcohol sales have been banned um, because apparently alcohol, there was some two-bit half-baked medical report that said alcohol damages your immune system which is rubbish but uh, and when i speak to a lot of small brewers um about things like marketing or building your brand as a small brewer the answer i often get is uh, 
yeah, that all sounds great in principle. I'm sure we should be doing it, but we're working 80 hours a week, making the beer and getting it out the door. Uh, I would love to do this. And what I was saying to brewers in a seminar to South African brewers last week was saying, use this time to think about your brand. Think about all the stuff that you don't have time to do when you're making the beer and selling it. Uh, do some market research, uh, engage with your consumers, build your social media presence. Uh, and we're starting to see some uh, brewers here uh, really doing that. Um, you know, what you can do is build a dialogue with consumers. And um, when you do, you come out of this much stronger. Hey. Yeah, no, I've, I've, um, you pretty much answered my question. I was yeah, going to talk about, Pete, obviously your background is in marketing. Is there any way that yeah. you can, uh, I guess, hang out a shingle and uh, make a bit of coin out of uh, marketing advice during this time? Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm going to be, uh, <laughs> yes, there is, Pete. Yes, there is. Um, yeah, I've, I've got this I've got this thing I've been doing. I've, I've, I've got a couple of modules like uh, market research for small brewers, uh, how you can do it without a big brewer's budget, and sort of the basics, marketing 101 for small brewers. So I'm hoping to get those. Uh, I'm working on getting those out as online seminars that we can do. Uh, I'm also doing one on, uh, off the back of this book, I'm going to be doing one on how to, uh, how to write your first book, how to write your first beer book. Uh, so I'm trying to do things like that, gauging interest in those. Um, Whenever I've, whenever I've finished my daily word count on the book, uh, <laughs> if I've got any time left, that's what, uh, th that's what I'm thinking about. What is your daily word count just out of interest? Um, it's officially it's 2000, but I, I got behind in my first week. And so now it's 3000. <laughs> I, <just> <laughs> I, I, I would have thought you'd have 2000 up by morning tea. <laughs> well, I'm, 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 I'm 1200 so far today. So, do you find yourself more productive? Because personally, the um, the earlier I hit the ground running, the more I get done. Um, the longer I leave it, I, I just seem to sort of, uh, you know, I've missed half the day now and I, I start sort of getting wound up about that. Are you better off early in the morning or do you kind of uh, build up yeah, and then hit a stride later on in the day? Every writer I talk to finds it slightly different. You get people who can only write late at night or, or even through the night. For me, I mean, this morning... Well, not 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 quite 4 a.m. But uh, if I could, uh, in an ideal world, if I could get up at half past six and be writing by seven, then between seven and 11 a.m. I will have done a day's work um, every time. That, that's just the time that works best for me. But people's people's rhythm and flow is is different. But yeah, I'm totally like that. Now, Pete, I'm going to leave the uh, most pertinent and I think the most um, socially important question till last. Now, there's a group of people in England who uh, it's fair to say struggle with, uh, I guess, the confines of social norms at the best of times. When we come out on the other side, what happens to the tickers? What happens to the beardy weirdies <laughs> after X, X amount of months of isolation? God, God, they're going to go into a frenzy, aren't they? Well, that's it. Do they uh, actually come out normal? Have they actually, you know, without that interaction and without the, I guess, the, the, the to and fro of um, the arguments over what's real ale and and what's not uh, and, and the, the whole collecting of, um, you know, samples, do they actually come out better at the other side? Or, yeah, are they like, I guess, frustrated 18-year-old virgins let loose on a, you know, an Amazonian island? Yeah, I think I think it's going to be that one. <laughs> <laughs> That'd make a much better movie and a book. Yes, yes, I can't wait. I can't wait to document that. Actually, it's going to be <laughs> and Pete, what's your feeling? We'd seen, you know, 
the, the industry here has been going upwards, um, and I, I've had a feeling that nobody's, particularly at the smaller end, nobody's really kicking goals financially, but they are staying alive. And as the industry grows, they're able to grow along with it. Um, what's your feeling in, in, in the UK, and how many do you think are going to come through to, to the other side as, as they do hit these really difficult times? Yeah, well, I, I think we were heading towards a contraction anyway um, because we have a lot of brewers that were only staying alive because they were prepared to put in so much effort and defer taking the rewards, which is, you know, that, that's what every new business does when it starts up. You, you, you work every single hour, seven days a week, and you don't take a pay for yourself until you've got it to a certain level. And the margins are getting so tight here now that people were not getting to that level, and we were just starting to see a few a few decent breweries going under. Um, so I think that process is going to get accelerated. Uh, I think we're going to come out of this with significantly fewer breweries. Um, but I do always make a point of distinguishing between the fate of an individual brewery and the fate of the scene in total. I think the scene in total will continue to thrive, um, and we will you know, a bit, bit upwards and onwards, but uh, but only at the expense of some some casualties. And it's it's the people who are quickest on their feet um, and the most adaptive and inventive who are, are going to come through the other side smiling. It, it's funny. We've certainly seen here in Australia there's much more of a, a concentrated focus on local, support local. Um, we've got a keeping, you know, hashtag keeping local alive um, and all these other different endeavours. People, I think, are more aware now that they need to look after the little independent mum and pop, you know, shop or mm. bottle shop or brewery rather than the big guys. Is that a similar sort of trend, do you think, in or a similar sentiment in the UK? Well, I think there's competing ones. And this is something I'm just starting to think about. And it's, it's too early to say what the answer is going to be yet. But on the one hand, I'm thinking what lockdown does is it really reduces your scope and your focus. You know, to me, when I get outside, the little street that I live on is going to seem like bigger than the universe. And so it, you know, it recalibrates uh, your perspective of things. So, so I think we're going to spend, I think we're naturally instinctively going to be more locally focused uh, than we have been for a very long time uh, in one sense. Against that, I've got the fact that, um, you know, the supermarkets here are, coining it um uh liz has been trying to get you know you get home deliveries from from the big supermarket chains and they're like gold dust you can't get them for for love no money um and the supermarkets are working flat out i mean basically keeping us alive but uh, but when we get out of this their power the power of the big retailers is going to be even bigger than it was before we went into this and it's going to be interesting seeing how they then use that power if they if they kind of if that works as a counter to the to the local thing because we have you know cues and arguments and fights in supermarkets over basic essentials and there's a little uh asian-owned corner shop a few doors down that's got all these things on the shelves and no one's going there so uh it, it's a conundrum that's that's playing itself out at the moment uh i prefer to be optimistic and say that this will make us feel more local more intimate for a while uh, and uh, after giving the supermarkets so much money, we will instinctively want to share a bit more uh, with, with local producers, local suppliers. It, it, yeah, it's it's funny, in, oh, go on, Matt. Sorry, it's funny you say that because that's one of the comments that we've made is that 
you're seeing a lot of people talking about keeping local alive, but at the same time, when they've been photographing the lack of toilet paper, it's been in the in, in the big um, shops, not the, the the local corner shops. Do you think that there is that difference in mindset between um, something like a, a a big supermarket and a local brewery? How, how do you mean? Sorry. Do 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 you think people differentiate between? Um, between what they buy in the supermarket. Yeah, and, and, and sort of seeing that a local brewery is something that's inherently valuable, but their supermarket is something that's more convenient, or you know, does the convenience and the um, cost and things win over you know, regardless of product? Hmm. I, th- I think that there's probably a, little bit, there's probably a little bit of uh, what people say versus what they actually do, because everyone's shopping in the supermarkets. Um, but I think... I think feeling like at this time, feeling like part of a local community is quite important and quite essential. Uh, and where I live, we're lucky enough to have a bunch of different local shops who are doing some great initiatives. Um, and I think what's going to happen is, I hope what's going to happen is we're going to have long memories about the way different companies behaved during this. Um, you know, there are some operators out there who are taking this as an excuse to, to price gouge and to, to shaft people and to just coin it in. And there's other people that, you know, for their own survival, but but also because their motives were altruistic to begin with, to some extent, uh, really going out of the way to do local, uh, to help the local community. We've got a great little um, restaurant near us, which is doing um, home delivery ingredients for some of its dishes, and then doing online um, workshops to show you how to cook them uh, later that day. Um, I mentioned brewers doing pub quizzes and things like that, uh, virtual tours. I think they're the, the people that we're going to remember. Uh, and my my hope is that uh, overall, um, once we've got the choice again, once it's easy to pop out to your local shop and stuff, that we'll, that that's who's going to get our business. Yeah, Pete, I think you touched on something really relevant there um, that, that's perhaps also mirrored here in Australia, is that... It, a crisis, you know, the, the the old saying that, you know, tough times don't last, but tough people do. And also that uh, I, I guess a, a crisis can bring out the best and the worst in people. Absolutely. And I think there's a feeling here that, uh, yeah, some businesses haven't perhaps looked after or have taken the opportunity to, to use, uh, you know, the, the COVID-19 thing as a, as a cover for perhaps shedding staff or reducing their costs and, uh, and that sort of thing, um, and that that will be remembered, you know, when, when we come out on the other side. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, here you've got the, the shitty way that Weatherspoons is behaving, um, and that's really had a that's really had an impact on them. Um, whereas you get another brewery who says, right, we're suspended rents for all our pubs, uh, all our staff home on full pay, and uh, here's what we're doing in terms of getting beer out. Um, people launching schemes like, you know, buy a beer for a nurse or a junior doctor, that kind of thing. And it's like, yeah, yeah, we, we've got long memories, you know. It, it sounds yeah. like this is as much an opportunity as a disadvantage. You know, if, if you can weather this, you can position yourself very well for the post-COVID um, world. Well, I, I started working in advertising during uh, in 1991. There was a, a big recession hit the UK uh, in 91, and uh, the reason it was big is because it it actually impacted the the middle classes, not just the working class. So it actually got spoken about, whereas the recession I grew up in earlier it didn't. Um, but during that recession, because I was 
just starting advertising, it was really interesting. The first thing that gets cut by a business in a recession is its advertising budget. And the businesses that continued to advertise strongly through the recession came out of the recession much, much stronger. And that was the big launch pad for brands like Nike, Starbucks, uh, Tropicana Orange Juice. They weren't that big before that recession, but they spent through it. And then, then they rocketed afterwards. So if you take those principles uh, and if you convert, you know, instead of spending on TV advertising, which doesn't work anymore anyway, uh, but just being really active uh, within your, your community, that, that's where I'm coming from is I, I think the same thing will happen. Yeah, Pete, it seems funny that, um, you know, three months ago, four months ago, all we were hearing was that, um, you know, the worst thing that happened was Brexit. And now all of a sudden, yeah, you know what? It's kind of paled into yes. insignificance. So it, it's really funny, the timing and also, I guess, how we look at things. Um, and by that, I mean, I really hope that those who have done the right thing, um, the, those businesses, and we've, we've spoken to them here on The Antidote, um, who are providing meals for their staff or who are, um, you know, doing all sorts of really just genuinely uh, wonderful things um, for for their fellow man, um, and I, I just genuinely hope that those things will be remembered uh, rather than the oh geez those guys were bastards. Me too, me too, and I'm I'm retweeting every <laughs> yeah it's okay I did a retweet but um, yeah I'm retweeting every example that I that I see of people doing good stuff like that because I, I do want people to remember it. Um, and but what you raised there is you know the other stuff hasn't gone away. Um, the 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 background things and and here we're still talking about no Brexit's still going to happen it's not going to be delayed um, so we've got all the financial uh, effects of that still to come uh, whatever whatever recession is prompted by by this lockdown uh, we've got Brexit on top of that as well and Brexit was already forecast that it's going to reduce our GDP by nine percent. We're now saying the lockdown is going to reduce our GDP by 35%, up to 35%. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're braced for some fun times to come, definitely. And coincidentally, Pete, I was listening to a podcast today that mentioned that there is not a single country in Europe, and that at that time included the UK, that, um, that has a positive um, uh, population growth rate. They're all negative. Do you think this will perhaps reverse that trend? That everyone's in isolation with not as much to do as they normally would. <laughs> um, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? And uh, I, I did see I did see something the other day saying uh, which is going to be bigger: the number of divorces in six months' time or the number of babies in nine months' time. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Well, look, on that positive note, Matt, have you got anything else? Oh, there, there was just one go? thing I wanted to... There was... got, just remember, he's got 3,000 words yet to write. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Just one thing before you go, Peter. I, I, I did, um, when we were talking about breweries um, and you know, they, they, we'd lost a few and they were going to do it fairly tough, you, you made the point that a lot of breweries are surviving only because of the work that they're putting in. Um, yeah. and, and that's a thing that I've been watching for a little while because when you look at the business inputs, um, in particularly into the brewing industry, it's, it's, you need capital, you need uh, a lot of things, but there's an emotional capital um, and that, that you need to bring as well. And we see a lot of people get caught up in the romance and the excitement and the fun of the brewing industry and they open uh, their, their, their little brewery and they're... You know, emotional and energy capital um, is at is at its high. But you know, even twelve, fifteen, 
uh, 24 months later, you can see that it's really starting to take their toll. Um, Is that what you were talking about there? Yeah, I I think there are limits to what you can do. I mean, a lot of people who start up breweries, I don't think many people do it to get rich. And if if they do, then they're doing it wrong and they're doing it for the wrong reasons. Uh, People do it as a lifestyle choice, I think. It's amazing researching craft beer for this book, how many people came from really affluent jobs, um, which they gave up. Uh, gave up a comfortable living, a comfortable earning in order to make beer. It, it's definitely that kind of passion, that emotional calling. Um, but so, uh, I first started to th- start thinking about this when one young brewer was talking to me and he, and he wasn't someone who'd founded a brewery. He was someone who joined it uh, about a year in. And you see the um, the founders putting everything they've got into it, every single ounce of energy. And so you think, well, I can't really get away with not doing that because they're doing that. So I need to, I need to do it as well. But this guy was telling me, you know, you, you're in the brewery at six, uh, mashing in that day's brew. Um, so you do the brew day, then you're cleaning down, uh, then you're doing deliveries and then you're just about to go home and the boss says, Oh no, you can't go home. We've got a tap takeover tonight in this pub, uh, a few miles away so you need to be there representing the brewery at the tap takeover so you go along to that you talk to people all night you're getting pissed you're out till midnight uh and then you're up in the brewery again at six the next morning and you're doing that five or six days a week and that is unsustainable for a lot of people but um those are all things that need doing in in a growing brewery so so how do you solve it and and i guess that's what i was getting at is that a lot of breweries have been kept afloat because you've got this equally finite resource that is energy and enthusiasm. Um, I, I guess the question then is, you know, how many are, how many people are we going to find coming through this with that enthusiasm or energy bank depleted because it is just such a tough period that they have to go through? Yeah, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? I think I think I don't think that's going to be one of the. I don't think that's going to be a problem. I think a lot of people are going to realise just how much. I, I, I think potentially even the opposite might happen, which is people getting disillusioned about the industry, uh, start to think, well, it's just a, it's just a ritual slog. Um, I'm just, just working my guts out here, and then having time to reflect. Uh, and I would h- hope, it may be a naive, naive hope that what actually happens is a lot of people then. Actually, rediscover and remember the the passion that they had for it when they got into it. Um, uh, feeling remote from it, realizing how much you miss pubs, being in bars, talking about your your beer and all that kind of thing. That you kind of hopefully keen to get back to it again. So, if you've got on the one hand the ability to rest up a bit, get some sleep, uh, have, have a few days off, <laughs> but then also a chance chance to reflect and uh, and and to miss the good times. Um, Again, I'm choosing to be optimistic, but but I think that might uh, see a real uh, burst of renewed energy in the industry when we can get back to normal. Now, Pete, the one question that we need to ask before we let the other Pete go is the, the question about cask beer. Um, I, I don't think we, we got to that that was asked right at the beginning in the chat room. Now, we did kick off with it. I, we did kick off. With, okay, there you go. So, yeah. uh, sorry, that was... Yeah, uh, I think we did cover it. All good. But uh, yeah, it, it, but it, yeah, and that, that will be interesting to see. And uh, just before we do let you go, Pete, and, and wrap it up, because uh, you know, you've got those 3,000 words aren't going to write themselves. Um, but <laughs> thank you very much for, for joining us on The Antidote. And I really do hope um, uh, that whole concept of, you know, founders fatigue, um, which I think we've, we've all sort of touched on, 
you, you work, you work, you work, you work, and all of a sudden, you know, oh, and I'm not making money out of it. I hope that this uh, does go the, the other way and people do rekindle that passion and realise that, yeah, maybe we just need to work a bit leaner, work a bit smarter rather than work a bit harder. Um, exactly. And that, um, and that whole embracing of the local uh, stands people in good stead. And listen, Pete, too, before we do let you go, we do. We, I think we'll, we'll, we might just dedicate this particular episode of The Antidote to uh, the late Tim Brooke Taylor because there is an Australian connection, as James Davidson from uh, Bright has pointed out. Um, Simon Brooke Taylor is the nephew of Tim Brooke Taylor, and he was a former brewer at Bright Brewery and is now at Hurdle Creek still in, uh, in Millowa, which is about 45 minutes out of, out of Bright, so up in Victoria's high country. Fantastic. Well, let's raise a glass to him then. <laughs> we shall. And look, we extended the invitation to uh, John Hole from uh, from New Jersey to come out uh, for a hop harvest at some stage. So we'd love to get you up to the, uh, the high country uh, as well, if we can. I would love nothing more. Um, I was in Tassie uh, four years ago for the hop harvest and just adored it. It was amazing. I'd love to come back. All right, let's, let's lock it in. Uh, Pete Brown, thank you very much for joining us on The Antidote. Thank you. See Thanks, you again Pete. soon. Hope, let's hope yeah, so. Yeah, now. To hang up. There's a bit of a thing I do. It's, it's very much looked forward to. It's a, it's a much-loved piece of the, uh, of the Antidote, which is uh, a very funny outro that I do after the, um, the play-out music. So feel free to hang around. But if you've got those 3,000 3, words to write, I understand if you need to leave now. <laughs> And we've also got a few, a couple of people in the chat room have got some uh, previous, previously bought books of yours uh, that they want to get signed. So there, that, there's another excuse to get you out to the land down under. Cool. Sooner Thanks very much, later, Pete. Hopefully. Cheers, Em. Bye. All right, well, there we go, Matt. Now, before we do sign off, uh, a quick little bit of an update because I'll tell you what, is the antidote... Good or what? Are we um, when we when we get onto a uh, a cause, we get the result fairly quickly and a win for the the good guys. It was yes. Uh, we, we we pursued yesterday's prancing pony story and they had it reversed today. So it wasn't just us. There was a, a fair bit of uh, media um, on, on on board as well. Um, but it was uh, yeah. So so they've had a result and they're allowed to uh, sell from the cellar door again, which is very exciting. Com- common sense has prevailed. It, it, it has. does same. And look, I just wonder whether it was just because it was that Easter long weekend that there was that you know, as we suggested, there might have been just a little bit more, uh, I guess, concern that people would try to get out of the house and head out to those uh, activity centres. Uh, and that perhaps they were just a, a victim of that. But as I say, cooler heads have prevailed and, um, and, and it's a win for Prancing Pony, which is great. Absolutely. Now, Matt, we'll do the same thing again, not tomorrow, because now for all those, well, the, the handful of people in the chat room um, who are listening along, get your bingo cards out for uh, buzzword bingo. So in response to these unprecedented and ever-changing times and by way of navigating the uncharted waters of this fluid situation... From this week, we will be pivoting to a new a new normal-based format. We'll present The Antidote on Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays. And then on Tuesdays, you'll get your beer as a conversation as normal. And then Thursdays, Matt and I will continue to update you with the news with the highly anticipated and much-loved Brews News Week, proudly supported by Cry Malt, Relling's Label Stickers and Packaging and Beer Cartel. Exactly. So from next week, well, as of now, effectively, Monday, Wednesday, Friday for The Antidote. 
Beer is Conversation Tuesday and Brews News Week on Thursdays. Spot on. Excellent. Uh, who have we got for two Friday, Matt? Uh, Friday, we're going to catch up. We're going to go to Canada and have a quick chat with uh, Stephen Beaumont. Um, and then the sl- second slot will be open. We'll wait and see what transpires uh, tomorrow and uh, Friday morning. Yeah, we'll try and get some- something that's topical, I guess. Something that's topical and uh, checking with the local industry as well. Exactly. All right, Matt. Uh, thanks very much again to uh, all our listeners in the chat room. I know it's a little, you know, we've, we've thrown you out a little bit, and it's um, for a lot of people, uh, myself included. We've we've become teachers in the home, uh, so it's probably a little bit harder to to get into a routine. But we hope we're providing, uh, as I say, a valuable service to you guys. Thanks very much for listening, and thank you to everyone who downloads and listens to it. We're up around the four fifty five hundred mark, which is really uh, heartening. To, to know that that, uh, that, that there's a need for, for what we're doing. So we're going to keep doing it, whether you like it or not. Uh, Matt, play us out. And that was The Job Keepers with Hang On, Help Is On Its Way. You're with Pete, Professor Pandemic, Mitchum and Matt, keeping it in his yard, Kierkegaard on Afternoon Delights. We'll be right back. And we're out.